another episode of In a Pickle, the show that's dedicated to the less glamorous side of baseball. I am your host, Dave Houghton, here for another episode of IAP Radio. Thank you so much for listening to last week's episode, When the Mets Played for Bernie Madoff. If you don't know by now, we tell the less glamorous side of baseball on this show. Because it's not all about winning and losing. Sometimes it's all about losing. And today's story is no exception. Today's story is about a player named Ken Clay. Ken Clay came from Lynchburg, Virginia, which is actually home to uh, a few notable people from actors and actresses to lawyers and congressmen. Lynchburg, Virginia even produced an astronaut by the name of Leland Melvin, who was on two different space shuttle missions to the International Space Station. It's also produced some athletes that include Vinnie Gills, who was a golfer. He went on to win the U.S. Amateur, the British Amateur, and the Walker Cup Championships. A notable MLB player include Brandon Inge, who played 12 years for the Detroit Tigers from 2001 to 2013. He was also an All-Star in 2009. And if that name sounds uh, a little bit familiar, it's because uh, you might remember him when he hurt himself moving a pillow. Come to think of it, there's been a good amount of weird baseball injuries that have happened. I remember that one time when David Wells tripped over the bar stool in his kitchen which caused him to drop the bottle of red wine to the floor. And then he slipped on the red wine and landed on the broken bottle, which severed the tendon in his wrist. And then there was that time that Wade Boggs hurt his back, putting on his cowboy boots. But one injury I always thought was absolutely ridiculous was that time that John Smoltz burnt himself while ironing a shirt because he was still wearing it while he was ironing it. But this story isn't about weird baseball injuries, but that would actually make for a good show too. Nope, this story is about a con artist, rather a baseball player turned con artist. Ken Clay was drafted in the second round of the 1972 draft after his graduation from EC Glass High School in Lynchburg. Hall of Famers Dennis Ecklesley, Gary Cotter, and one of IAP alum Lyman Bostock were part of that 1972 draft. Ken Clay would put up good numbers in his first five seasons in the Yankees farm system, going 46-40 and 40 with an ERA of 3.64. But he was a bit of a wild hurler. In the 726 innings pitch, Clay walked 348 batters. He got it together in 77, though and 10 starts with the Syracuse Chiefs, going 5-1 with an ERA of 1.68. His dreams of being a major league player came true when he was called up to the Yankees to relieve some pressure on Billy Martin's overextended pitching staff. That pitching staff included Ed Figueroa, Ron Gurdy, Don Gullett, Catfish Hunter, and Mike Torres. Torres actually had a reputation for being a big party guy. While he's with the St. Louis Cardinals, he was given the nickname of the Knight of the Neon by a reporter. Ken Clay was put into a fantastic situation when he was called up. At that time, in 1977, the Yankees were in the middle of a three-way tie in the AL 
with the Red Sox and the Orioles. They ended up two and a half games over both teams in taking the division. Clay, though, was 0-2 with an ERA of 7.73 as a starter, but was a much better pitcher coming out of the bullpen, going 2-1 with a 3.4 ERA with one in relief. Weird thing was, the one loss that he had was actually his best performance of the season. In that game, Catfish Hunter gave up four home runs in the first inning against the Red Sox at Fenway Park. He gave the ball to Clay down 4-0 with two outs in the first. Clay held the Sox scoreless through the fourth, and the Yankees went on to tie it up, but the Red Sox scored a run in the fifth, giving the loss to Clay. Ken didn't make an appearance in the ALCS, but did play in the 1977 World Series against the Dodgers. The Yankees ended up becoming champs by beating the Dodgers 4-2. Those two losses, unfortunately, came at the hands of Ken Clay, even though his performance was pretty good in the second game that he pitched. Nonetheless, Ken was on top of the world and was now a World Series champion in only his first year on the team. The 1977 series has a couple of cool bar trivia things on it. Did you know that this was the series where Reggie Jackson got his nickname Mr. October? And also, Los Angeles became the first city to host a World Series and a Super Bowl in the same calendar year. Super Bowl XI was played January 9th, 1977 at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Uh, for your information, the Raiders won that Super Bowl 32-14 to 14 over the Vikings. 1977 was a wild year for New York City, too. On July 31st, David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the Son of Sam, was captured. And also in 1977, New York City was completely blacked out from July 13th through the 14th. In the 77 blackouts, looting and vandalism were widespread in the city, hitting 31 different neighborhoods. The hardest hit was in Crown Heights. 75 different stores on a five-block stretch were looted and damaged, and in Bushwick, arson was rampant, with some 25 fires still burning the next morning. At one point, two blocks of Broadway in Brooklyn were on fire. 35 blocks of Broadway were destroyed. 134 stores were looted. 45 of them also set ablaze. Thieves stole 50 new Pontiacs from a Bronx car dealership. In Brooklyn, kids were seen backing up the cars into stores, tying ropes around the store grates, and using the car to pull the grates away, and then looting the stores. There were 550 police officers injured in the mayhem, and a total of 4,500 looters were arrested. What a time to be alive. Now fast forward to spring training 1978. Clay became one of the top pitching prospects for the Yankees, along with Jim Beattie and Gil Patterson. They were all hoping to earn a spot on that opening day roster. All three vocalized their frustrations when the Yankees went out and got some new toys. Pitchers Goose Gossage, Andy Messersmith, and Raleigh Eastwick after the 1977 season. They believed that those three guys coming to the team hindered their chances of making the club and for the most part, it did. Clay and Beattie would stick around. But Patterson, unfortunately, called it quits after eight different elbow surgeries would sideline his career. He tried to make a comeback by teaching himself how to throw left-handed. 
but would only make it as far as the Gulf Coast League. Gil Patterson is considered one of those cup of coffee guys. Only in the bigs long enough to have that one cup of coffee. In return for his verbal diarrhea, Clay received his fair share of criticism from some of the veteran pitchers on the Yankees. Catfish went on to say that Clay had great arm, great slider, but bad brains and felt that the advice he offered Ken often went in one ear and out the other. Cy Young winner Sparky Lyle also offered advice to Clay about his tendencies to wear his arm out, which in return made Clay not 100% for the day's game. Steinbrenner simply described Clay as morning glory, a horse racing term for a horse that performs best in the morning workouts, but then shits the bed in the actual race. Ken Clay, though, he remained on the Yankees roster for the entire season, except for that 21-day trip to the DL in July with a right shoulder strain. Morning Glory Clay went 3-for-4 four with an ERA of 4.28 during the regular season, but his most memorable performance came in the postseason. The Yankees were leading 4 nothing when Clay was called into the first game of the 1978 ALCS against the Kansas City Royals in the sixth inning. With one out and bases loaded, the Royals scored one run on a sacrifice fly by Hal McRae. Clay then retired Al Cohen's on a ground out to get out of the inning with just one run scored. Old Kenny Boy held the Royals hitless for the rest of the way, giving him the save. The Yankees would go on to become back-to-back -back World Series champions. But unfortunately, Clay's success would not carry into the 1979 season. He would go one for seven with an ERA of 5.7 and was given mop-up duty by the end of the season. 26 out of 32 appearances resulted in a loss. Ken Clay began the 1980 season assigned to the Yankees AAA team, the Columbus Clippers. On August 14th, Ken's time in the big city was over when he was traded to the Texas Rangers for future Hall of Famer Gaylord Perry and a player to be named later. That player was Marv Thompson, who never made it past AAA. While in Texas, Ken would take Perry's spot in the rotation, but would have some big shoes to fill. Even though Perry was 6-9 with an ERA of 3.43 in 24 games with Texas, he would go on to post a 4-4 four four record with the Yankees, who for some reason really wanted him on their roster. When Gaylord would play against the Yankees while in Texas, the Yankees would use a special camera team to monitor his movements during his starts at Yankee Stadium. Sounds like a Bill Belichick, if you ask me. After that 1980 season, though, Perry would leave and head over to Atlanta. It would be his third team in two years. Ken Clay, on the other hand, went 2-3 for three with an ERA of 4.6 with his only season in Texas. He was part of a blockbuster deal during the winter meetings when Richie Zeke, Brian Allard, Rick Arbach, Jerry Gleaton, and minor leaguer Steve Finch were sent to the Seattle Mariners for Larry Cox, Rick Honeycutt, Will Horton, Mario Mendoza, and Leon Roberts. All of those guys sent to Seattle for the exception of Gleaton would be out of baseball the very next season. Clay began the 81 season in Seattle as a starter. But after going 0-3 with an ERA of 7.3, he was moved to the bullpen by manager Murray Willis. He remained in the bullpen through the first half 
of the strike-shortened season. Willis was fired and replaced with Renee Latchman. Clay was moved back to the starting rotation when play resumed after the strike and actually performed much better, going two and three with an ERA of 3.64 in 10 starts. He failed to make the club the following spring and retired rather than trying to latch on with the new team. His career was all but done and tried to play in the Senior Professional Baseball Association as a member of the Gold Coast Suns in 1989, but never appeared in a game with that team. So far, you're probably asking yourself, where the hell is the crime? Ken just seems like a shitty ball player who got lucky. You're right, but he was also a shitty person after baseball. Ken Clay was out of the MLB, and by 1986, he was out of money too. At this point, he moved back to Virginia and took a job at the Justin Ring Company. You know, that company that sells class rings to high schools. His legal troubles began when he tried to steal $30,000 from the company. He was charged with four counts of grand larceny and was looking down the barrel of a 20-year prison sentence. Prosecutors must have been Yankee fans, though, because they cut him a deal that kept him out of prison. Instead, he was ordered to pay $15,000 in restitution to Justin, plus $1,300 in court fees. He got 1,000 hours of community service and five years of supervised probation and a suspended sentence. Needless to say, Clay was a good boy for those five years, but the devil inside him just had to come out and play. Ken was working at a Bedford County car dealership in Virginia during this time, and in February of 1992, well, he decided to steal a car from the dealership. Clay was sentenced to a year in jail for his joyride, but while serving his time, it was uncovered that Clay withheld information about three different arrests from his probation officer, the grand larceny in two different DUIs. And because of this, an additional three years in jail was tacked on to his sentence. Good job, Kenny boy. Clay would get out of jail in 1999 and make the move to Florida because no one ever gets in trouble in Florida. Bradenton, Florida is on the west side of the state and about 45 miles from Tampa. It's home to Hank Aaron and Jamie Moya. And this is also where the Pittsburgh Pirates spring training camp is located. After his release in 1999, he was accused of identity theft. He used his girlfriend's identity to falsify credit card applications. Also used her identity to lease and insure a 1998 Nissan Pathfinder and to create a checking account from which he forged checks on. He was charged with five counts of forgery, five counts of scheming to defraud, nine counts of uttering a forged instrument, which I'm guessing is the checkbook, and four counts of grand theft, and could have been sentenced to more than 20 years in prison had he been convicted on all charges. But Clay agreed to pay back creditors, and Manatee County Circuit Judge Charles William sentenced him to only 15 years of probation. Well, six years later in 2005, Clay was working for the Copy Concept Copy Machine Company. Say that five times fast. 
Copy Concept is a company based in Florida that has been selling copy machines since 1983. I might as well do a commercial for them at this point. Copy Concept, located in 1901 Brantley Road, Units 9 and 10, Fort Myers, Florida. Call them today for the top of the line copy machine. 239-275-9101. Copy Concept, copy the future. Back to Ken Clay. Having only made one sale in the month and a half that he was employed with Copy Concept, he falsified a sales order for a Toshiba E-Studio 3511 copier that would have landed him a $7,500 commission check. He forged the buyer's signature on three documents. The jury didn't think that that was very cool and convicted him of grand theft after a one-day trial. He had been offered a plea agreement that included six months in county jail before the trial. However, he did not accept it. Prosecutors recommended a prison sentence of three years. However, a judge sentenced him to five years in prison, citing his past criminal activity. He was released from prison on February 16th, 2012, and is back living in Old Lynchburg, Virginia, where he was born and raised. I'm not kicking Florida or anything, but it just seems like if you can't make it in the Sunshine State, then you're not really going to make it anywhere. It's like the opposite of uh, Frank Sinatra in New York, New York song. Maybe this version can be sung by Limp Biscuit or something. All right, and that is Ken Clay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, go back and listen to past episodes at iapradio.com. Go ahead and follow us on all social media accounts. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. Just go to iapradio.com, and all the links are right there for you to just follow and follow, follow and follow. Just go for it. And if you know anyone that works for the Coffee Concept Coffee Machine Company, go ahead and drop this uh, commercial to them. That commercial was for you, baby. Go ahead and uh, just donate to the show. Anybody else who wants to donate to the show, please, by all means, I could definitely use um, financial backing. You can become a producer of this show. That would be great. So, opening day is soon to follow. And I cannot be more excited. So, I will be out there on the streets over by Fenway and I'll be passing out stickers and I got some grab bags for everybody. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We will see you next time. Goodbye.